Welcome to Plateau Partners Pulse. I am sitting across the table from Dr. Brad Judy, otherwise known as Dr. Brad or Brad. You say that so forced. Dr. Brad. Doctor. Like you don't believe it's true. No, I believe it's true. Except that you're so personable that, you know. Are most doctors not personable? I, I mean, have you met a lot of doctors? Like bedside all manner the doctors? is not. No, I wouldn't say all the doctors. Right. I'm not but... going to paint with a wide brush. <laughs> but the point is, you're so approachable. You're, you're Brad Judy. So anyway. So, hey, by the way, spoiler alert. I'm sitting with Brad Judy, who is a doctor. But you're a very specific type of doctor. Brad, what do you do? I am a dentist. That's right. You I'm are. I'm a doctor of teeth. As exciting as that sounds. It, you know what? For the elf in, uh, what you call it? What's the movie? Oh, yeah. The uh, Christmas movie. I uh, Hermie the Elf. I want to be a dentist. Yes. Yeah, so absolutely. So for you and him and others out there, it is super exciting. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, come on. So tell me about your business a little bit. Well, I am a general dentist. I have a private practice over on Mercer Island, Washington. I have been in business for, will be 10 years coming up in November, so almost a whole decade. But I have been in practice for a little over 14 years. And if you include dental school and my time as an assistant before that, I've fully been involved in dentistry for well over 20 years at this point. You look like you're like 24. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I'm 41. So, you know, I'm almost twice that. Uh, well. Not quite twice that, but you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I've heard that a long time. I will say that that was very, very difficult starting my career out. Um, oh. I'd come in the room and everybody would be okay, Doogie Hauser. when's the real doctor coming in? Right. But so, see, then later on, it really, it, it plays out well. Uh, it will. It will. Eventually, one day I'll be like 70. I'll look like I'm 40. And then, you know, <laughs> I'll be having great times. Then. Yeah, well, uh, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's, yeah. a whole, that's a whole other episode. Beth. Absolutely. <laughs> so how long have you been in B&I? I don't know officially, but I'm going to say eight years, about something like that, seven or eight years. I've been in the Plateau Partners for a long time at this point and uh, love it. Actually, it's a great group. Well, okay. So- We'll reverse the questions. So one of my questions is, what do you appreciate about appreciate generally about BNI? And then as a follow up, what do you think is best about our chapter? Oh, okay. Generally about BNI, what I think is very important and very overlooked is not so much how much business it can bring you, but what you can do to actually build a business. As a dentist, I went to dental school. I was trained how to fix teeth. I know a lot about that. But there was no business training. There was nothing about P&L reports, nothing about taxes, nothing about payroll or HR things, you know. So when I bought my practice, it was very much a jump in the deep end and see what happens. Now, in dentistry, you're kind of lucky because – or unlucky depending on the person you end up with. But you have an office manager and that person tends to take care of a lot of the administrative duties, the the insurances and those types of things. However, as the owner of the practice, you better hopefully know some of that stuff and starting out, you don't. So So you're um, putting a lot of faith and trust in somebody that potentially barely knows you. And – doesn't necessarily have your best interests in mind. And what's interesting as I've gone through my career here is I've, I've had a few different people up in the front doing things and everybody seems to do it differently. 
And so as I have gone forward, we've now taken on an independent billing company to have them just handle everything for us. And they have gone back and audited everything in my accounts. And some of the things they are coming back to me with are fairly interesting in terms of how numbers were reconciled with insurance and patient payments and things like that. And here's the problem. I don't really know. Right. You know, I mean. Do you recall accepting any chickens for service? No, but I would. Absolutely. (laughs) One of the reasons I became a dentist is I figured if the world ever ended and we may be headed in that direction based off of how the first part of this year went, at least I have a service I can barter for. It is true. You know? I was always very struck in Little House on the Prairie about how, like, Doc would accept, like, eggs and chickens and, you know, whatever. Absolutely. It's uh, in the apocalypse, you know, you got to figure out how to make it still. So. So true. And do zombies need teeth? I don't know. But if you took the teeth out, less of a chance of them biting you and transmitting it, I would guess. So either way, you're important to the zombies uh, yes, and you're yes. important to I feel, the- I feel I've got a secure career are, ahead uh, of me regardless this, of what happens. This so. is good. Well done you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so. sure you thought all this through, by the way. Uh, much more than actually what it meant to be a dentist. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Chick magnet. Yeah, like. yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, so the words like, no and trust are words that we talk a lot about within B&I. And what do you think are three words that are associated with you? No, like, and trust. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, but three Th- other words. Three other words. Um, I think. I think if people were to describe me, they would say that I am. I mean, that's going to be three words: honest, hardworking. <laughs> three words right there. <laughs> but I'll throw a third one in there as well, and that is just skilled. And when I say that, it's because. Everything I've done in my life that is considered a skill, I've worked very hard at to refine and get better at. And whether that's like martial arts or whether that's playing music or or dentistry, I, I put a lot of pride in the fact that I've spent a lot of time developing my skill. Mm-hmm. I think you're very disciplined that way. I, I think, you know, the depth and breadth of, and this this kind of goes nicely into the next question about things that people may not know about you, the fact that and I'll let you actually answer the own, your own question in a minute, but first I'm going to answer it. That's okay. Um, you It'll know, probably the fact be a better that, answer. Well, so. I don't know about that, but you know, the fact that you do martial arts and then the fact that you also play guitar and you're in a band and those kinds of things, I mean, that's like gross motor skills and fine motor skills. You know, that is, as I said, discipline, that's creativity, you know, all of those things I'm sure then play into your, your work. Yeah, well what's what's interesting about all of the hobbies that I do do. <laughs> do do. <laughs> you said do do. Yeah, I did say that. <laughs> the interesting link is that every single one of them really requires you to be able to be in the moment. When it is music, if you're playing a solo, you don't necessarily have time to think about like, what are the notes that I am going to play? It just kind of comes out and it flows from you, but you have to be in the moment because at any moment, if the band changes or something happens, you have to be able to adapt and move on from there. Same thing with jujitsu. By the time you've thought about what you're supposed to do, the moment has already passed. And you're on the ground. Yeah, you're more than on the ground. Yeah. yeah. So it comes to the same thing with dentistry. Now, in dentistry, there is a lot of planning. There is obviously a lot of back work in terms of education and whatnot. But when you're there with the patient in the moment during a procedure, you have to be there in the moment. 
anything can change from an emergency happening out in the front office that you have to deal with as well as the fact that you've got a patient you're working on to what you're doing is not turning out the way that you had hoped that it was going to. And what do you do in that moment to make sure that it works out okay for people? And that is, I think, something that a lot of people don't really think about in terms of dentistry is just how kind of on the fly you have to be sometimes with these things. And I know that probably doesn't instill a lot of confidence in no, people. No, I think actually but, the contrary. Oh, I appreciate that then. I, well, I really do. But it, it, it is. I mean, when you think about dentistry, it's it's construction science in an environment that has active volcanoes and earthquakes and everything coming through it. I mean, as soon as I finish my work, you're going to leave my office and start chewing on things. So the second we get done, you're going to start beating up what I just did, you know? And so right. That, that that's, whole fluoride thing, like don't eat anything crunchy or cold for the next hour. And it's like, so I shouldn't chew on the ice that's left over in my Starbucks drink that's in my cup holder. Not the smartest idea. <laughs> For a couple of different reasons, but um, um, yeah, I mean, you know, but that's, that is the job. That is the job and I've enjoyed it. And I find that really like when you get to know people and you have good rapport with them, doing dentistry can't, it, it shouldn't be horrible. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say it's going to be the best time you've ever had, probably more like the second but I have thoughts on that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully you can make everybody comfortable and we can make things work out so that you're not in distress, especially while we're going through it. And then there's the rub of its medicine, right? So right. of course, you know, if something goes wrong, we got to figure out what to do. And of course, if you're hurting, we got to figure out how do we get you taken care of. But I've loved, like I said, every aspect of it. So, so since I answered the question, maybe you have a different answer. What is something that your clients may not know about you? I'm pretty open with things. So do they know that you're essentially an adrenaline junkie? Yeah, I mean, I ride my motorcycle to work and um they know that you know, I've gone out skydiving a few times and I, I enjoy kind of the thrill of things for sure, but I don't know, something they don't know about me. Maybe something they'd be surprised about. I'm always looking for maybe my next quote unquote thing, meaning that I go to the gym probably six days a week for training in karate and martial arts and I lift weights and I play in the band two, three times a week and I work four days a week. I also teach at the UW Dental School. I find that I have plenty of time out there to watch movies, play video games, nap. So That's yeah. That's where the discipline thing comes in. Well, a little bit, you know, I mean, I have things in my schedule and I just make it work, you know, however I need to make it work. And yeah, like in terms of next things, I, I don't know, they, they'd be surprised, but like, I love to take up shooting more and you know, I've gone to the range a few times with my gun. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily good at it, but I'd love to get better at it. I have recently thought about maybe getting a pilot's license. So mm. that might be kind of fun. Fly Excellent. a plane around. I have a spot that when you get your act together, you can uh, get yourself a plane as well. And then you can take me to my second home. Are you saying I don't have my act together now? No, like you need a plane and the license. Oh, yeah. is that how that works? <laughs> okay. Huh. Well, I'll have to rethink this a little bit then. But um, <laughs> but no, once again, you know, I've, uh, I, I think people would be kind of surprised that I do all these things and I still have all this time. And it really is kind of a matter of sticking your mind to it, figuring out how to make it work and then make it work. You know? And you're a cat guy. 
I am a cat guy. I, I'm an animal guy. I know, but you I, have, a, I, I love, like, I, I love, love animals, the fact yeah. that, you know, it's like, oh yeah, he's in a band and he rides a bike and he's like a dentist and he's, you know, blah, 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 and like, oh, no, I have my cats. Yeah, I, I do have two <laughs> very, very, very lovely kitties who are, um, pain in the butt but uh yeah no that's that's what they are and that and goes without saying i wouldn't do anything else exactly yeah so but I, I am totally an animal guy and uh, i love my kitties and um i'd love to have a dog at some point but i've actually in my lifestyle never ended up in a spot where i felt i actually had enough time to really care for a dog the way that it should be cared for so i've kind of made the choice as of right now that until i get there we'll all right stick with cats i think we need a dog mascot at the office I am totally open to that idea, actually. Let's we had let's one for talk. a couple of weeks, but he barked a little bit too much. Okay. Was, Training. So. Training is key. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So what would you say is your most frequently asked question? Huh. I'll go with the one that was asked to me earlier. How important is flossing? It's interesting that that would be the question I most asked because everybody has heard since they were a little kid, floss every day. About 1% of people actually do that. And the answer to it is, unfortunately, it's very complicated and every person is an individual. So to shorten that down into something that actually makes sense for people, your toothbrush cannot actually clean in between your teeth. There are spots where your teeth are touching that the brush will never get to. That is where we tend to find cavities develop the most. So if you're never putting floss between your teeth, you're more likely to develop cavities. In addition, your brush will clean a little bit down into the gum pocket, but the floss can get farther down into the gum pocket, especially in between the teeth. So the floss, getting it in there regularly, will help keep the gums clean and the teeth clean. And the patients that I see that floss religiously tend to never have any problems. That's how important it is. Now, everybody is an individual, and I don't believe everybody needs to floss every day necessarily. And right. so if you can't do the I floss every day because, once again, you've been told a million times in your life and you're not doing it right now, let's maybe start with like once a week. And my recommendation would be pick a day. So don't just go, okay, I'll do it once a week, but say, okay, Thursday nights is my flossing night. Ooh, that's now, sexy. if you can stick to that, we know that you are doing it once a week. You have a regimen that you are sticking to. And if we get down the line and it turns out you need to do more, it'll probably be easier to throw one more time on during the week than it will be to just go, okay, now it's twice a week. Because the problem is we lose track of those kinds of things. Right. So, so if you can tie it to the day, you'll probably be more successful keeping it as a habit. This is your discipline thing. Well, and, you know, I would also like to point out that if you don't floss, then your business does so well. Yes. I was going to say, I am not a fan of my patients brushing or flossing, actually. And I would advise <laughs> them to eat as much sugar and candy and drink soda because that's personally good for my business. And I'm sure all of you would just love to make my business thrive and give me tons of money so that I can play with it. <laughs> and um, as long as we're all on board with this, yeah, sure. Why not? Right? Then Sounds you'll get great. the plane that yeah, I need. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah, I'll have a plane. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I'll own my own dojo. You know, my band will go on tour. I'll just finance the whole thing. We've got no a plan, deal. Brad. Yeah, I, I do like this. Maybe I should put a Coke vending machine in my waiting room. With ice. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. Okay. Last question for this part of our interview. What is your favorite curse word? 
There's so many good ones to choose from. Are there? I feel like there's really only one. Well, I'm going to go with Really? Yeah. Whoa. Because that it, like that's a curveball. That's a it's it's you don't hear it very often around here. And when somebody says it, it really gets people's attention. Oh, it totally they does. Stop. If you were to say, you're going to bleep all these things. Right? Oh, so yeah. yeah. So if you were to say like, who cares anymore? Eh, is that even a curse word? Mm, you know, yeah, so yeah. and so forth. But if you were just like, you are a. It's like. It's like, yeah. All of a sudden, everybody in the room just stopped Record to go scratch. like, What's, what just happened there? So I, that's, I'd have to say that one. I love what a contradiction you are. Why is that? Because you're just like, I'm like a a good wholesome dentist whose favorite curse word is. Well, I'm a very (laughs) firm believer in that there is a line and you should not run past that line. But you can put your foot over it every now and then. Amen. All right. On that note, we're going to take a very quick break and then we'll be back with Dr. Brad Judy. With over 270,000 members in over 9,500 chapters across 70 countries, BNI is the world's leading business networking and referral organization. To learn more about BNI and what it can do for your business, go to BNI.com. There, you'll find answers to frequently asked questions, and you can locate a chapter to visit or join that suits you and your business. Again, that's BNI.com. Welcome back to Plateau Partners Pulse. I am here with Dr. Brad Judy. We were discussing his favorite curse word, which was eye-opening to say the least. I love it. So I want to talk to you about your practice. One of the things that I'm very struck about the way that you conduct your business is you really take great pride in making sure that the right thing is done. So while that seems obvious because you've taken an oath of I'm here to serve. It is not always the case. When I first moved to Washington, we saw a dentist whom I shall not name and who all of a sudden- Was it there Dr. Were, Brad Judy? Because that guy's oh, crooked. No, no. He's, yeah, I've heard things about him. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I think he's like selling soda and like stuff in his, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. In his waiting yeah, room. Yeah, watch out. Watch out. <laughs> He's probably got a really good business though. Yeah, and I think he has a plane. So, I mean, there's that. Um, No, it was this other gentleman and it was, you could see that he was making money hand over fist by the fact that it was, you know, I'm headed off here to go golfing and the art on his walls and all those kinds of things. And you know what? I just, it always felt sort of sleazy. It felt like, I don't know, my teeth hadn't been brushed in a while. And what I'm very struck about you and the way that you conduct your business is you'll tell people come in for a second opinion if you're not sure what your dentist has said, or, you know, you don't err on the side of let's do something. You'll err on the side of let's see what happens. Let's keep an eye on things. You know, you're you're conservative that way. Yes. Yeah, so... I think part of this is just predicated on the fact that I have maybe I wouldn't say a different belief system than people, but I put I put my value in other places than I think what's the standard norm out there. What I mean by that is that I did not become a dentist to make money. I I'll be a little arrogant and I'll just kind of figured the money would come kind of eventually and eventually it might. So (laughs) (laughs) still waiting. (laughs) Still waiting. Yeah. But you know, I got into this to be a caretaker. I'm here to take care of people. My, my, 
I am not the dentist for everybody, and that's fine. But for those who do decide that they want to be under my care, I'm in your corner. I've got your back, and every single one of them is like family to me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to do the best that I can to make sure that they are the healthiest that we can make them to whatever standards it is that they want because they are the patient. I, I'm i not the boss of anything. And so the what that then comes down to though, and it always comes down to a financial question when you are talking to patients about treatment. And I'm not going to try to push the patient into spending more money or doing something that benefits me. I just want to know what is it best for them and how can I educate them to know what's going on and know what their options are so they can make the best decision. After that, I can help facilitate that for Mm -hmm. them. But sometimes I think you make a short-term decision that can then impact things long-term. So, you know, if you're not going to address something that's potentially going to get worse, which is then going to cost more money, and, you know, that's a real serious concern. Yeah. I mean, the, the the ultimate issue, though, here is that we come down to what's the difference between dentistry and the business of dentistry uh, and uh, teaching at the dental school. I, I talk to kids about this. I call them kids. They're not all kids, but I know what you mean. the soon to be graduating, you know, dentist class. I talk to them all the time about the difference of dentistry and the different business of dentistry. And the problem is when you get out into the real world the dentistry is just assumed. It is assumed that you are going to do a good job and you are going to do what's right for people. When it comes to the business of dentistry, it's looked at like a business. How do you maximize your profits? What do you have to do to make sure that everything is in line so that you can make the most amount of money possible? The problem is we're dealing with people's healthcare. So from a business standpoint, it behooves me to find work to do in you. As a dentist, I'm not trying to find work to do. I'm trying to keep you healthy in whatever way that I can. And so we'll just take a a, a quick, simple example. Somebody comes in and there's a crack in their tooth. Mm -hmm. I see cracks in teeth all the time. And a crack is not indicative of necessarily having a problem. None of us make it out of here in one piece. So if the worst problem you've ever had in your life is there's a little crack that you can see, that's really not that bad. By the way, I think what you're trying to say is that a crack is whack. Crack can be whack. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Now, let's just say though really quickly that a crack could become a serious problem. A tooth could break, but not every crack is destined to break. And so if I am a business person, I see the crack and I say, oh, you need a crown on that tooth. If I am a dentist, I look at it and I say, okay, mm, maybe you might need a crown on this tooth. I see this. What do you want to do? And if the patient says go for the crown, great. If they say no, okay, that's fine. Then we pay attention to it. We watch it. And everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows what the risks are if we don't do anything. And in that way, the patient is fully in charge of what it is that happens with themselves. But at the same time, that doesn't maximize profitability. So it just kind of depends on how you're looking at things. As trying to make my business successful, I've worked with consultants. We have talked about trying to make things as profitable as possible and figuring out what to do. But I do always kind of run into that problem of unless you diagnose more work to do, you don't necessarily make more money. But I'm not willing to diagnose something that doesn't need to be done. So, I think I mentioned it earlier that there's an interesting juxtaposition with you. You have this very old-fashioned 
sense of, you know, honor about your profession and the way that you conduct yourself as evidenced in the fact that you do martial arts and the way that you give back in your community and those kinds of things. And there's just this tremendous sense of honor and integrity that you have. And then you also have this kind of modern interests, modern things that you do, and the fact that you are teaching soon-to-be dentists. And so you're up on all of the latest things, and you're constantly learning and challenging yourself and evolving. And I think that that is like the best combination that you could possibly have is somebody that understands, you know, old-school customer service and also knows all the latest techniques and, and does all of those things. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, I just, you know. All I can say is I wish everybody in the world could see that there are positives in areas where you don't think they are. And I'm just thinking of like our current political climate in this country because everything is so divided right now. But the problem is there are good ideas on the left. There are good ideas on the right. Okay. There are bad ideas on the left. There are bad ideas on the right. Like I don't understand this like one-sided the way to look at things. And kind of, I think like you just alluded to right there. I mean, yes, I do have my parents instilled in me the the honor and be proud in what you do and be honest and have integrity. But at the same time, I've also kind of always had that little bit of counterculture person in me where once again, you can put your foot across that line every now and then. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I got tattoos and I ride my motorcycle around. And as a dentist, I have broken my hand in jujitsu and that has caused some issues in my life. It certainly is. But, you know, (laughs) I mean, I live my life the way that I think people should, you know, and and ultimately when it comes down to it, I think you have to be accountable to things and I'm willing to be accountable. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to be perfect, but I will be accountable. And I think a lot of people lack that. I think a lot of people want to pretend like they don't make a mistake or if they do, they can brush it under the under the rug. And I don't, you know, even if it's not my fault, blame me, that's fine. I don't care. Just how do we get you to a better spot? Right. Right. So there are folks out there that are terrified of going to the dentist. And then there's, you know, people that don't care. And then there's people that are somewhere in the middle. I, I'm somewhere in the middle where I will actually find that I will sit in a chair and I feel like I'm white knuckling. And then I, will actually kind of do my own little guided meditation where I'm like, and relax and like, it's fine. And not because I'm afraid of the pain, it's weirdly, it's the noise in my head. You know, it's like, uh, I need something. But how do you deal with all of those different, that spectrum? I think I said this earlier, but every person is an individual, right? Every, every person is different. And so everybody has a little bit different perspective when they're sitting in the chair. And for me, I try to put myself in their shoes and say, what is it that would make you comfortable? I mean, in fact, I will flat out ask you, what do we need to do to make you comfortable? And so the the biggest problem would be this person that has so much fear that they won't even walk in the front door. I don't necessarily have a solution to that person yet, but- That would be, you know, Dr. Mel or- Greg Kuiper. I mean, right, but there's right. some there's some real deep seated fear there. There's some that- real deep seated fear. Um, I even meet with me somewhere else. Let's go to a coffee shop, and maybe if now you we've met, it'll be easier to walk in the door. Yeah, white coat syndrome is a thing. Actually, absolutely. Our son will used to you know as a as a tween and teen, he would get it, and he had to go to a specialist because his blood pressure was so high, and it literally was elevated because. 
he was in that scenario. Yeah, yeah. You encounter all kinds of different people in all kinds of different situations that you need to deal with. And if you are not fearful at all, hey, great. It's really easy to take care of you. If you are fearful, I've found the biggest thing is just to make sure that you are in communication and contact with the patient. Let the patient know that you're in their corner. You, I'm here for you. So if you're having problems, let me know. I think most of the fear comes from this idea that something is going to start being painful mm -hmm. and it's going to be out of their control and we're not going to be able to stop it. And so that right there, I mean, that makes me not want to do it necessarily. You know, I mean, sure. it doesn't, that doesn't sound awesome, but it shouldn't have to be that way. It should be fairly comfortable. And as long as you can be calm and relaxed for the patient, let them know, great, you know, we've got stopping points. If we can only get this far, okay, we get this far, let's take a little break. We go from there. Most people can come around. We also have nitrous oxide and other oral sedatives and things like that. For some of the bigger cases, I'm going to get trained in IV sedation here over the next six months probably. Um, but I wouldn't want to do that for the average fear patient because the idea here, and I think Dr. Mel would say this too, is that when you have a fear, the best way to deal with that is exposure. Mm -hmm. And so, but let's not Confront go it safely. Let's and, not go zero to a hundred. Right. Right. But like if, if you can't even walk in the door, let's Let's meet outside. If you can't open your mouth because you're so freaked out, let's just sit in the chair and talk for an appointment. You know, let, let's kind of get you to a point where you are feeling more comfortable. And I, from there, I don't think I've ever had a patient that we just, we couldn't get something done for. Well, and that's smart for your oral health and for your mental health. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. And you're a whole person. That's, that <laughs> is true. In there. That is true. Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about you are a general dentist. And so I want to talk about what that includes and what that doesn't include. Sure. All right. We'll be right back with Brad Judy. Experience for yourself the power of know, like, and trust through BNI. You'll learn more about yourself, your business, and other small business professionals through weekly networking meetings. BNI is an international networking organization that promotes giver's gain. By giving referrals to other members, you'll get the same in return, plus credibility from your clients for being a trusted partner they can rely on. To learn more, go to BNI.com. Welcome back to Plateau Partners Pulse. I am here with Dr. Brad Judy. Hello, hello. And we are talking about um, so many people being afraid of going to the dentist. And really, ideally, if your insurance covers it, you should go twice a year. Yeah. I mean, we, we like, it's, it's funny. Let me just touch on that really quick because that go to your dentist twice a year thing actually comes from a toothpaste ad from like the forties has really? nothing to do with dentistry and research or anything like that. However, the dental profession adopted it. It's not a bad thought, meaning that you come in twice a year, you're bound to get some calculus buildup. You're not going to get that off with your toothbrush. So let us clean that off. Let us take a look at some things because if you do find something better to take care of it while it's small, then let it get big, right? But interestingly enough, there are those random patients out there that show up and they're like, yeah, I haven't been to a dentist in like 15 years. And you take a look in there and you're like, eh, you look fine. No cavities. Looks like you're in good shape, hmm. uh, which is where I will come back and just reinforce why the hygiene at home is very important. Um, unless, of course, you would like to give me money and then it's not important at all. So. And again, we're buying for a plane. Yes, so. exactly. So. so that's interesting. Though, if your insurance will pay for it, then 
you know, as you say, staying in front of those things is not a bad idea, but it's good to know that if you, if your insurance doesn't cover it, that that's okay. You're not missing out. You're fine. Yeah. Just maintain well, that home Not hygiene. so much that you're not missing out, but just make sure that you are trying to take care of yourself. I right. mean, you know, it's, we know that brushing and flossing is directly related to good oral health. And if you do not do those things, you are more likely to get cavities, you are more likely to get gum disease, and those things can cause real problems throughout your life. So if you end up in a situation or a time period where you can't get to the dentist, just make sure that you're trying to take very good care of yourself. So I've become a huge fan of flossing picks, which is partly because I have my own version of the Grand Canyon between my bottom wisdom tooth and the last tooth. Mm -hmm. And so I maybe have to get my wisdom teeth out and I maybe don't want to get them out. So I suddenly have become really diligent about that. Perfect. That's the way to do it. But I really don't want to do that. Now, do you take wisdom teeth out? I do. I do. And do you do it so that I am pushed in and pushed out and I don't know anything about it? And I like hit on you or something totally embarrassing. Yeah, not as of just yet. And so that's where when I when I get licensed for IV sedation, which like I said, I, I, I've done enough big cases now without it. And you don't necessarily need to do that stuff for the big cases. However, <laughs> well, I've just found it goes easier for everybody. Oh, I'm so sure. usually what happens if let's say like a teenager comes in and they've got wisdom teeth that need to come out. Usually, what I will do is refer them out to an oral surgeon so they can be IV sedated and just. You can fall asleep, wake up when it's over, and great. You know, it's kind of no big deal there. Uh, but certainly, if a patient is unable to go to the oral surgeon for whatever reason, or they're just like, yeah, I don't care, just get it done, then sure, let's go ahead and get them out. That's, the, that's not a big issue for me. Oh my gosh. I am like that person that I, you may not be able to get me through the front door for that. Like, cleanings, fine. Cavities, no big deal. I even have a crown. Like, that's fine. But the, like, the buildup, I think it's like the buildup to giving birth. Well, I, 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 this kind of comes back to the fear question as well. And I think most people, honestly, when they have a situation that they're fearful about, the anticipation builds up so much in their head mm-hmm. that they have worked up a fabricated land that they are going to, right? And so I, I see a lot with, with usually kids and getting the shot to get them numb. Mm-hmm. They freak out over that thing. And, you know, if you can distract them a little bit and do some things, you get through it. And at the end, they're like, oh, that was it? Right. Yeah, yeah that was it. No big right. deal. Um, you know, in their mind, I was going to hold them down and I don't know, you know, beat the crap out of them, I guess. But, um, <laughs> hold that jujitsu move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But, uh, um, but yeah, most of the time things like that are built up in, in the patient's mind. And so I think you'd find that, and now depending on how your wisdom teeth are in there, right, it may not be as bad as you would think that it would be. At the same time, usually when we're talking about taking out wisdom teeth, it's because they're in there crowded in some way. Usually they're buried under tissue or bone. Usually it is a surgery. It is not just a, uh, oh, let me just pop this thing out really right. quick. An right. extraction. Well, yeah. I am doing my darndest to just dig that sucker out. Um, I, like I said, hygiene. You just keep that thing as clean as you can. No guarantees, but that's the best shot you got. All right. I mean, you know, my big fears are that and a colonoscopy. So woohoo. Okay. Um, Interesting uh, business idea there. <laughs> Get both ends at the same time oh taken care of. That's actually kind of brilliant. Brad, yeah. we're going to have to talk about this yeah, offline. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. We're going to get that plane yet. Okay. So I do want to talk about in general dentistry then, you know, 
that really covers then the gamut. As you say, if you run into something that requires um, or you think that it would be better for a specialist to do, then you refer people. But otherwise, you can do it all. So, and that comes down to basically how the the how dentistry is legally laid out, uh, the profession of dentistry. What it means if you're a general dentist is that you can do the gamut of dentistry. I, as we've alluded to earlier, I like doing things. I like building my skills. I like putting my hands on things. I don't mind being the guy. And so because of that, I do try to handle all facets of dentistry in my office. So whether it's wisdom tooth extractions, whether it is implant placement, sinus lifting, root canal, root canal, absolutely, aesthetic things, crown and bridge veneers, bleaching teeth, orthodontics. Like I said, kind of the gamut of things. The one thing though that ethically you are bound by as a general dentist is that if you cannot do the job at level of mm-hmm. a specialist, then you should probably refer that out. Now, there's a little conundrum then because how do you get those skills and that's a whole other conversation in terms of how would a dentist that is looking to start doing these things get into it. I have took certain pathways. I have plenty of experience in most of these things at this point in time. And so I provide these for my patients in my office. Any other dentist has the ability to determine how to make it in the world with their dental skills. So if you as a dentist hate doing root canals, you never have to do one. You can refer every single one of those out to an endodontist. If you do not like the idea of taking teeth out, you can refer out to a oral surgeon. If you don't want to take care of kids, you can send them out to a pedodontist. And then once again, you know, I I got into this be a caretaker. So and for most part anybody any walk of life is welcome in my door and I'm there to take care of them. But if I recognize that there's an issue that I think is probably better off dealt with with a specialist, let's get you to that person so that you're properly taken care of. I do do orthodontics, but I have found that when you're dealing with growing kids, you're probably better off in the hands of an orthodontist. There's a lot that changes when kids are growing and an orthodontist is definitely better suited to handle those types of issues. But as an adult, you've had ortho and you've had whatever braces and your teeth have relapsed and are crowded again, easy to get them back into place. You have little gaps that we want to close up. Yeah, we can certainly do things like that. If we start talking about surgeries, Mm -hmm. you know, periodontist, oral surgeon, these are great tools that I have if I need them. But once again, if it's pretty standard stuff, taking out teeth, putting in implants, bone grafting, that's all pretty easy. If somebody were in a car crash and had a mangled face with broken jaw and things like that, let's get you to an oral surgeon into a hospital and have that taken care of for you, right? right? Doesn't mean that I couldn't handle the initial trauma of what's going on, but at the same time, like that is something that really a specialist could handle. That's a, that's right? a whole bigger follow up, yeah, so to speak. I, I, it is, but I've dealt with traumas like that before. And if it's just like, teeth broke out. Okay, let's get you where we need to go to get the the broken bones set and that kind of stuff. Then I can get the teeth handled for you. You know, those are kind of extreme cases though. We don't, you know, a lot of You see don't a run lot into that. that on a regular basis. Not in my practice. Yeah, no, okay. not in my practice. All right, all right. So interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So that's good to know. And you already mentioned that, you know, you'll see anybody. So whether you're do you have a um a base age 
No, I, I mean, as far as age is concerned, there's different things you need to deal with in different age groups. Obviously, the American Dental Association on the young end would say, try to get a kid in there by the age of two. Um, I typically say, as soon as you see teeth starting to grow in, feel free to bring them on in. Get them used to it too. Like and mom and dad, like bring the kid. That's the biggest reason, actually. Yeah, we can check development, make sure things are good, you know, and so on and so forth. But really, it's about reinforcing the parent's ability to take care of the kid's teeth and what to watch, getting the kid acclimated to being there in the office. We find if you start bringing them in at two years old, by the time they're six, they sit in the chair, we can clean their teeth. It is no big deal. Mm -hmm. If you bring a six-year-old in and they've never been there before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, some are good, but some just, I mean, it's, it can be tough. Sure. You know, so, but that's on the early age. On the, on the later age, of course, there's lots more health issues that you end up running into. So you got to be very on top of medications that they're taking. And a lot of times you'll be in contact with their, their general physicians or oncologists or whatever it is that they're dealing with. But sure, we'll, we'll figure out how to get you into the office between those. And I guess this sort of falls to the elderly category, but people with disabilities as well. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Um, Annie is a special um, ed teacher at Issaquah High School. And so I always have in the forefront of my mind folks that have um, maybe require special needs. Yep. I, happy to see them. I have a special story in that my uncle was mentally retarded and I had to help care for him as a child and, and throughout life. Um, he just passed away just about six months ago. But that has put a soft spot in my heart for people with disabilities. And so I've had people people come in in a wheelchair. I will help pick you up out of the wheelchair and put you into the chair if we need to do that. I'm pretty patient. The hardest thing with people with disabilities, unfortunately, tends to be the financing. That is a tough one. But at the same time, I, I'm happy to help out on emergencies and things like that. And once again, I find just being patient and trying to do what's right for the person helps in dealing with certain types of of patients. And the reason is because in some patients, you have to make tough calls. What do we do? Because maybe this person isn't actually able to control themselves and therefore what is actually best for them long-term. Right, you know? And right. these are tough decisions to make, but ones that I'm happy to go through it with either the person or the family or whatever we need to do to get them taken care of. Absolutely. Truly a caregiver. Yeah. All walks of life. So um, you mentioned at the top of the interview that these are unprecedented times, which is an oft used word at the moment, but we are in the middle of a global pandemic as we record this. So you must then have a whole bunch of things that you have to adhere to in order to see patients. So what are you doing to make people and yourself safe and comfortable? Um, it's it's an interesting question. And the reason I say that is because the WHO just came out with an article about a week ago telling people to avoid going to the dentist because in dentistry, they produce aerosols. You, you drill things and things fly into the air. And so because of COVID being transferred in aerosols, the dental office is probably not a very safe space to be. Kind of a horrible article because it doesn't really give any credence to like what we do as professionals to try to protect people from those things. Because sure. Isn't there the, like the sucker upper thing? Yeah. I mean, this is, so, like- so yeah, there's lots of things we do. And so in the early 80s with the HIV scare, the dental industry totally revamped everything they did from an infection control standpoint. This is before my time. I was born in 79, but- at some point in time, dentists with no mask and no gloves just, okay, let's get on in there and start working, right? So 
we've done a lot of things since then. And it turns out those protocols were pretty dang good. The, the um, solutions that we use to sterilize kills COVID on contact. The PPE, the, the gloves, the masks. I mean, that's something that we've been doing for decades mm-hmm. at this point in time. What everything has focused and shifted to, I should say, at this point in time is what are the extra things that we can be doing? Because honestly, we were doing a pretty good job with infection control before. Sure. But now it is things like making sure that we screen patients before they actually even walk into the office. So for me at my office, we don't even let people in until they have called and contacted us. I mean, of course, there are certain circumstances where we need to bypass things like that. But the first thing we always are talking to patients about whenever they're coming in is going through our questions. Have you been in contact with anybody? Have you been traveling? Have you blah, 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 blah. Have you had a fever? Have you had any symptoms? We take their temperature, you know? And so we make sure that all of those things are okay to even allow them to come through into the door. Once they've come in, we try to shuttle them right from the door to their room, which has been sterilized and wiped and let to sit for a little while to make sure that everything is clean in there. I have also installed uh, air purifiers with HEPA filters in them that filter out viral particles in every operatory that I have. They are supposed to be able to recirculate the air through the room every 15 minutes. And so if somebody were to even come in with the virus and were even to shed it, the hope would be these filters would take that right on out of the air. Before it even gets to the air, if we're working on you, we do have high volume suction. Um, we are using- The sucker upper thing The I'm sucker upper about. thing, absolutely. Um, we are trying to do things without producing aerosol. So you know, if we can do more of like a hand instrument thing than a drill, sure, we can do those kinds of things to try to minimize what's going on there. But- For the most part, I believe that you are probably safer in a modern dental office than you are almost anywhere else on the planet because of the precautions that we take. Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody is always masked up. Everybody is always – all employees are always checked with their temperature every day when they come in. You know, So, I mean, we're doing everything we can to try to make this safe for people, recognizing that A – people are scared of this. B – we deal with people that have immuno – compromised conditions, older people. I mean, you know, a lot of my practice are over the age of 65, Mm -hmm. which is the concern demographic. And so, but at the same time, if you don't come in to get your teeth cleaned, or if you have a problem and we just let it go, there is a potential for a major infection and big problems coming on down the road. Oh yeah. You do not want to end up in a hospital dealing with that because suddenly it's no longer a dental issue. Now it's, 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 it could be a life-threatening issue. And the next thing to think about is dealing with a pandemic, if you're going to go to the emergency room, you're probably in there with a bunch of people that have the virus. So let's not put you there. Right. You know, if you've got a problem, go to your dentist, get it taken care of, be smart about things, you know, wear your mask there. They'll tell you to take it off because obviously we can't do dentistry through your mask. I mean, we can, but you'll need a new mask. So, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and be as smart as you can about these things. But honestly, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we will not run into any issues at my office because of everything that we're doing. And all the extra things that we're doing, I'm even more confident at this point. It it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the interview. It's that level of caretaker that you have and that discipline. And those two things during a time like this, they are key to safe caring. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got it good. You know, there, there are first responders that are dealing with people that they know are infected with COVID on a day to day basis. So once again, I am not too worried about this. 
take it seriously, everybody. You know, wear your masks, social distance, right. just do the bare minimum, and you do that. And for the most part, you should be safe, uh, and you should keep others around you safe. Once again, just by doing the bare minimum there. Mm-hmm. But in dental, I can tell you. We are not doing the bare minimum. We we go well above and beyond. So oh yeah. So if someone is looking for a dentist, or somebody is looking to maybe their dentist is I don't know not great, like the dentist that I went to, or maybe they want a second opinion and they're not really sure if they like their dentist. How do they get in touch with you? There's a couple of different ways. Probably the easiest way would just be to go to my website, www.bradjudydds.com. Uh, our phone number is up there. We do have an email that you can get a hold of us at. Give a call. It's the number. Oh, phone number 206-232-5866. Please give us a call and you know we'll find out a way to get you in and, and, and get you taken care of. And I do offer... You know, Maybe this I shouldn't say this on on air or whatnot, but I do offer free second opinions. So if anybody is out there and they've heard that they need something and they're not sure is this what's best for me or this seems like the price is too high or whatever the case may be, come on in. Let's take a look. Let's at least get you a little bit of information so that you can make a good decision for how you should move forward by yourself. And then, of course, if you want me to help facilitate that for you, great. And if you decide, hey, the other person was the guy for me, yeah, great. At least we got you helped out. Way to go. So good. You're such a good guy. I do what I can. Well, and you do it well. No, I do it all the time, but (laughs) I don't want to sound arrogant. And he's humble and (laughs) he's single, ladies. I am single, ladies. (laughs) So, hey, all you single ladies. Thank you, Dr. Brad, for joining this afternoon and chatting with me. Um, I always love chatting with you. Thank you very much. I had a great time. Good. Okay. Well, this was the Plateau Partners Pulse and stay tuned. Listen to some more episodes with some of our other amazing members.